Welcome to season two of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm your host, Bob Fibbs, the Retail Doctor. You can find out more about me by going to retaildoc.com, where you'll find out I'm one of the foremost experts on brick and mortar retailing. Every week, I invite guests, vendors, and brick and mortar retailers to share their successes and their innovations to make the shopping experience fun. I believe we can change the world by those who are working in shopping and retail, so let's get to our first guest. Thanks for joining me. Today I'm interviewing Mark Fletcher, CEO of News Express in Australia, on how understanding millennial customers led to selling gifts to people who want to make fun of their friends, on franchising, and the goal of finding the fun in selling your products in store. Let's get going. Welcome, Mark Fletcher with News Express. G'day, Bob. So who are you and what do you have to do and what about that uh, uh, accent? You're uh, not obviously from the States. Uh, I'm Australian. Um, I own a company called News Express, which is a, uh, a marketing group of 230 uh, stores in Australia. I also own a POS software company that sells software to independent small retailers in Australia, and that company has got about 3,500 small business retailers using its software. Wow. So you must know a few, a few things about retail. <laughs> I've been in it for a while. Uh, and certainly uh, I own a couple of retail stores myself. And uh, I love retail both physically and uh, online. And uh, it's been a passion for a long time. Nice. Well, how did you start out? Well, uh, in my last two years of high school, uh, I needed to... Uh, get some after-school work, and so I started working in a business in uh, the country town I grew up in called Pakenham in Victoria, Australia, and uh, that business was what Australians call a news agency. Now, in the US, you don't really have news agencies, but if you think about, say, Hudson's News that you see uh-huh. at an airport terminal, think about that and you add in uh, around 1,500 different greeting card designs, you add in probably... You've got about 1,200 different magazines. You, you sell lotteries. Back in those days, they were selling tobacco, as well as also being the main uh, source of stationery for the local town. So it was a real mixed business. And uh, news agencies in Australia were started in the 1800s by magazine companies looking for ways to distribute their magazines. Right. And so you started in one of those, and then you end up buying them and franchising? Is that what your story is? <laughs> kind of. I started in one of those uh, while I was still in high school. I finished up in high school, then started working in tech. And um, while I was doing tech work for big corporations like banks and stuff, I was thinking about what I'd learned in the news agency about how manual their processes were because they were managing delivery of papers and things like that. So in my spare time, I started developing some news agency software. And um, so started a business and started selling that software. And uh, that was in the 1980s. And then Look, probably by uh, the mid, the early 1990s is when I bought my first retail business. And that's when I got involved in News Express and the franchise group that we've got running now. Gotcha. Well, franchising is very different. I know there's, it's always interesting. I've, uh, I've been a franchisor and I've worked with them, certainly. And, you know, there's people that feel like, oh, they've got an unfair advantage and they're just big companies. But uh, I always try to have to take pains to tell people look a franchise is just a a proven business model i mean ultimately 
they've cut your success um, path down, and hopefully you learn from some of the uh, slings and arrows they took earlier, but it's still up to you to actually drive that and become a successful business person, wouldn't you say? Oh, very much so. Um, News Express isn't like a a 7-Eleven or a McDonald's franchise in the sense that we have a, a small monthly fee and we don't charge any fee on revenue. Uh, and in our contract, there's really only one requirement for the stores, and that is that they stock uh, Hallmark cards. Outside of that, what they do is up to them. Our job is to present to them a suite of opportunities because we're dealing here primarily with 240, uh, in America, you'd call them kind of uh, mum and pop businesses, a little Mm -hmm. bit like Hallmark gold crown stores, but on a slightly smaller scale. And so we don't want to presume that they all should look the same and feel the same and act the same because a lot of these businesses are in country towns where that town has a different uh, style of doing business, say, to the town, a similar town, similar size town in another state. So, again, we present them with opportunities, uh, with commercial deals and things like that, but they choose which of those they go with. So it's very uh, flexible and very independent and and small business retailers love their independence if nothing else (laughs) that's that's for sure my first client i had to go back to him uh, three times and i finally said this is the last time i'm coming if you want to sign with me that's great if you don't i'm not coming back again and it that was when he kind of like oh okay i guess i have to do this you know it's not on the top they have so many things to do that um it's not necessarily what you think uh, is what they're going to find the most important thing to do. That's for darn sure. Well, you've certainly seen things change. Um, you know, what has been the biggest challenge for you, uh, certainly down there in Australia over the last three years and how you've, uh, you know, overcome it? So if we look at it in terms of the specific channel, um, you know, our core products were papers, magazines, lotteries, stationery, and greeting cards. Now, the big problem is the migration of certainly newspapers and magazines online. Um, and so these these two core traffic generators for the businesses have been drying up. Yeah. And now what we're seeing in Australia, not as much here in the US because of how it's regulated, but in Australia, we're seeing really significant migration online with lottery purchases. Um, and we've got one major national lottery company that handles all except for one state. And so uh, they're now doing almost 22% of their lottery sales online wow. on a daily basis, which is very significant. Yeah. So, so, so that loss of customers to online is, is a big challenge. And so, you know, how do you get 230 independently owned retail businesses transacting online? And that's part of what we've been doing through News Express over the last six or seven years. We've been very uh, innovative with uh, seven or eight consumer-facing websites, none of which operates under our brand. And that way we connect our locally owned independent stores to this national website and, and effectively deliver mm. to the stores retail sales they would otherwise not get. Gotcha. And would um, would that do you see that that's going to change? Do you think that, you know, people are going to stop selling or, you know, greeting cards have been under the gun since, uh, my goodness, at least 10 or 15 years ago. I think those are one of the first things that went online. You could send a quick little animated greeting and you're done right so yeah um what is hallmark doing to they must be trying to solve this as well right hallmark's doing a lot of work uh in the gifting space so they're they're finding non non paper ways of people expressing themselves and that doesn't mean necessarily 
uh, through digital platforms, but they're they're doing a lot of work around gifts and giving their retailers other things they can sell to help people express themselves. But um, if you look at the situation, um, you know, what people buy as a card today is different. You know, in retail circles and at conferences, uh, we, we often talk about, you know, getting that millennial shopper and, and uh, that younger shopper, how do we get them into our stores? And, and the traditional way of expressing yourself um, has probably uh, not been adopted by those uh, generations as much as older generations. So what right. we're focused on is, for example, we have a very strong niche area around sarcasm because sarcasm, <laughs> well, you know, it, it really resonates and, and look, it's, it sounds bad, and I almost am embarrassed to admit it, but our tagline, we've got a, a sarcasm website called Gifts for Stupid, which is really about selling these gifts to younger people who they want to uh, make fun of their friends. And our tagline is, it's like slapping someone in the face, but with words. Um, and, and we don't mean it to sound violent. We're not <laughs> intending it to sound violent. But to us, that's what sarcasm is. So... We've got now in our stores um, around two to three metres of space with sarcasm product. And then we have a website selling sar- sarcasm product. And how online plays out is we know that with the websites, um, only a small portion of the use of websites is about people buying online. The major use of the website is about driving store traffic. And, and we're finding that to be a good success opportunity for us. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just tap the, of course, go and. Um, yeah, some of these I can't repeat on my podcast, but uh, <laughs> were you born in a barn? Mom, uh, already sold out. I guess that was uh, a Mother's Day card for your uh, yeah. group. Uh, but again, you know, you're trying to figure it out, right? That's I think that's the story of retail right now is that there is nothing can say, oh, this is what our customer, this is all our customer will go for. You're trying to figure it out and say, well, let me let me figure that out, right? I mean, if they're going to be sarcastic, if that's what they're going to buy, I'm there. Yeah. It's, it, one of the things that's really interesting, I think, Bob, is that for years in retail, those of us who kind of work with retailers and try and guide them, we uh, often, certainly I was looking for, you know, the next big thing. What is the answer? What is the thing that I can do that's right. going to make me successful? And And I think we're... Uh, in a time right now where um, there is no one thing. It's not a single thing. It's a whole lot of things. And it's a lot of small things, probably. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you look at uh, for in the, in the Australian News Agency channel, it's about replacing magazine and newspaper traffic uh, and greeting card traffic. If you look at uh, through my software company, we deal with bike shops and, you know, they're dealing with a massive onslaught online. locally and from overseas Um, if you look at pet stores and selling pet food their challenge is online as well and so these businesses i think need to find um, other ways to reach new shoppers shoppers they probably hadn't thought of reaching in the past and that requires a new set of i think tools Uh, so it's certainly new product new services but new tools on how we reach those people and new voices through which we can speak to those people because the voice that I use for my traditional shopper works for them, but it's not going to work for, say, a, uh, a millennial who really is interested in something sarcastic. Right. I've got to use a different voice when I'm talking to them. 
Yeah, no, and I appreciate that. I think that whole idea that, um, you know, you could say, you could be like, well, you know, that internet thing might not last, so we need to keep bolstering our our, uh, newsprint and our cards. It's more of how do I react to what the market is telling me and the market is clearly moving over here to, to well, or to your point, it's shattered. Yeah. And now I need to have a shard that represents this, a shard that represents that. Um, what part does customer, you know, I'm the, I'm the brick and mortar guy. So I, everything I do is revolving usually around some version of retail sales training or customer service training. Cause I think too many retailers are settling for crumbs when they could have the whole feast. You know, I yeah. mean, if, if someone comes into your, one of your shops and they buy a card, I don't think the person did their job because I got what I wanted. But if they ended up getting the socks that go with the card and something else, then all right. So you added value to you showing up today. I mean, how do you think that plays out in your stores or just in maybe not even in your stores uh, necessarily just in retail and, you know, are we coming to a point where, um, retail is looked at as just basically a warehouse we go and ask and get, or do you think there's still a place for the brick and mortar store? I think there is a place for the brick and mortar store where people can engage with the product. Um, here in the U S uh, for example, I don't, if you've, if you've heard of the, uh, the greeting card group, uh, retail group called paper source, Oh, sure. Yeah, so, beautiful stores. Yeah. So what I love about Paper Source so much is that it's an immersive experience. I go to their store and I can be immersed in either making product myself or buying something that already exists. And um, their range regularly changes. They pitch to multiple demographics. Uh, their staff are helpful and guiding without being offensive or demanding. And, you know, if I was looking at, you know, to me, best practice greeting card and, and expression related retail, uh, I think paper source is a really good example of that. If I was in the greeting card space here in the U S I'd be looking at paper source as a really good example of uh, being best practice in that space. They provide, this immersive experience, they help us uh, as the shopper experience the products in a way that is not common in retail. You know, in, be, previously in retail, we put the product on the shelves, stack them high, watch them fly, um, make sure the displays look pretty and hope that the customers pick the item. But to your point earlier, we've got to engage the shopper in a way that's interactive, that's enjoyable, that's memorable. Paper Source does that well. Yeah. Uh, and there are some other retailers do it well. It's very hard for... Big retailers. I'm a big fan of what um, story, uh, how story evolved in New York and how Macy's are trying to bring that story experience to their department stores because, you know, department stores for sure are, are, are a really challenged beast. Yeah. And uh, what story was all about was this constant change and being guided, if you like, by shopper interaction. And I think that's really exciting to see. It is. I I am on the other side. I visited the story at Herald Square and I was totally nonplussed. But uh, it comes back to me of if you're going to have a concept, someone's got to be excited about being there. To your point, paper source, they seem like they enjoy being there. They seem to be glad to be there. I think that's one of the biggest challenges we have that so many retailers are settling for crumbs when they have a little feast. Yeah. They just don't realize that, you know, whoever you put on that floor 
has got to want to be there, not just who can fill a shift. And then have you really trained them how to engage a shopper and, uh, and make them feel like they matter? I know I was in Portland recently at a gift store and I walked in and this young woman walks up to me with a, um, uh, she has something in her hand and she goes, have you ever seen as silly a chicken as this? And it was some kind of a little stuffed chicken thing. And there's a whole basket <laughs> of them. I said, you know, I haven't. She goes, well, I just want to make sure you saw that while you're looking around. Okay, well, I'll be over here and I'll, I'll come check on you in a minute. And I could see someone like, oh, that's just, I hate people that do that. It's like, well, get over yourself because that was fun. And she was trying to have fun with it. And you know what? She engaged everybody she met. And oh, and by the way, yeah, people sought her out to buy more from her. And that's mm. what we've lost. It seems like we've lost that whole, you know, having fun at work and um, being playful. And I, I think that's really what, what the successful retailers are going to discover, that the greatest asset they have really is their customers. And, you know, with 80% of your merchandise being able to be sold by, I don't know, all of your competitors, there's very little you can differentiate other than that experience. Wouldn't you agree? Very much so. We, in, in our stores, uh, one of the categories we're strong in is jigsaws. Um, and uh, we partner with uh, the uh, German brand Ravensburger. Uh, they make beautiful jigsaws. And um, probably three years ago, uh, we were educating our retailers and saying, here's this one thing, you do this one thing and your jigsaw sales will increase. And the one thing was to set up a small table in store with a jigsaw, with some chairs around the table and let people do a jigsaw. And uh, some of our uh, franchisees were like, oh, what if someone steals a piece of the jigsaw? And what is this? <laughs> what is that? And, and, and our right. point was, it's a $20 jigsaw. I mean, you know, life's right. not going to end. Just try it. Anyway, uh, they did. And surprise, surprise, shock and horror, they sold more jigsaws. And, um, you know, we've even got one of our stores now has evolved and they've brought barista coffee into the store and they're a large table and they are doing jigsaws on a daily basis. And it's become, yeah. this is a town of population only about two and a half thousand. So the news agency has become a, a, a collection place where people come and talk and buy coffee and do jigsaws. And they, they buy jigsaws as a result. And so yeah. sometimes the, the best way to get from A to B is to head towards C or D and you end up at B because people have enjoyed the experience and they buy the jigsaw yeah. at the end. And, and, and I think that's what experiential retail is about. And independent small retailers can do it. Sometimes they just don't get that they can do it and do it well. Well, and that community aspect, I think, is really important that we're seeing more and more people try to figure it out. That's why when you walk into a Chipotle or you walk into a Starbucks, um, you know, they have the communal tables now. There is more of that. There's, I think, this this idea, certainly in the Apple stores have been trying to go after it with some of their new store designs that this community gathering place is where we're going. It's kind of like everybody's kind of trying to be the next Starbucks to say, well, you know, people can come to my store and just hang out. But to, But I think to your point, just having that opportunity of having a, a, a jigsaw with chairs around it already says, um, why don't you sit down and try it? It would be great to have someone invite me to do that. But yeah. once someone does, then other people will be like, oh, well, this looks fun. And suddenly it all works, right? Because otherwise you've got a bunch of boxes with jigsaws in them that nobody is even thinking about. But when that, you make it easy for them, well, yeah, why not, right? Exactly. And it's this whole thing of... Um even if somebody just puts one piece into the jigsaw, you know, for some people that is their accomplishment for the day. <laughs> and, and, and 
you know, if I can That's be part true. of that as a retailer, I'm, yeah. I'm really happy because they'll remember that. They'll remember the store. And at some point, that's going to be valuable to me as a business owner. Um, and there are so many things we can do it with. Uh, you know, we sell, in some of our stores, we sell um, bath bombs and uh-huh. things like that. And so we would say to those store owners, get get a, a you know an, an old cast iron tub or something of, of a, a little bit of size, put some water in it, and let people smell and experience just with their hands the bath bomb. Um, and again, you know, uh, what if it spills? What if this? What if that? And we're like, well, you know, just just have the experience. Look at Lush. Lush does it really well. Right. Again, it's experiential retail, and we can do that in indie retail. We've just got to um, have the guts, if you like, to to try it and find how much our customers want to interact with us. Because um, you know, we've been again brought up in this retail world of, oh, can I help you? Or have a nice day. All of those cliche things that we hear. Yeah. And I think if we pull back from that, engage authentically, we're going to have a far more enjoyable experience, and the shopper will have a more enjoyable experience, and we both benefit from that. Absolutely, absolutely. Has your how has your um, way you thought about retail changed in the past few years? Uh, it's it's changed in the sense that um, for many years I would look at big retailers and obsess about trying to copy some of what they do uh, because, you know, big retailers know everything. And um, That's right. Yeah. Well, that's... I, you know, sometimes that's not the case. And uh, yeah. so um, the thing now is it's, it's like you pick up a bit of mud, you throw it against the wall. If it slides off, don't do that again. But if some of it sticks, learn from that and improve on it. And so keep trying things, keep experimenting. You know, we saw that Lululemon, and I don't know if that's how it's pronounced here, but that's yeah. how I pronounce it. Um, so they were doing uh, yoga in some or a All number of, of their yeah. stores. And so we suggested that to some stores within our News Express group. And we had a couple of stores that tried it. You know, they closed at six o'clock at night and and did a yoga class and they rang and said, you know, you're not going to believe this. We had 30 people turn up, pay $5 a person to do yoga after the shop had closed. And I'm like, that's amazing. Isn't that fantastic? They said, no, no, no. What you're not going to believe is they wanted to spend money with us after we were closed. You know, they wanted to buy product that they saw. And you're like, that doesn't surprise me. That's why you did it. It's good. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, and so, um, you know, you said what's changed. It's about being, prepared to try things that previously would never have tried yes i think think that's that's critical no i agree with you and um what would you so i want you to picture uh, mark that you've got a friend and she uh says oh i want to take you out to coffee and so you go to your local coffee house and she springs on you i'm thinking about going in to open my own brick and mortar retail store so what would you tell her what would be your best advice to a friend who was looking to go into retail uh the first piece of advice would be don't stock what you like because you're not the customer, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, through my software company, um, we had a, a gift shop customer and, uh, she was in a fairly well-to-do area of Melbourne and the name of her shop was my dream. And when I saw that name on the shingle, I shuddered and thought, mm. Oh my God, what am I stepping into here? And of course it was because everybody right. told her she was really good at choosing home decor and things like that. And she created a shop that was, her home and it looked nice but it closed within six months Mm. um so i would say don't stock what you like um 
work out what you think you want the business to stand for, then throw half of that away and bring in things that scare you, things that are going to challenge you. You know, I, I was just at the Magento conference in Las Vegas and um, I've forgotten her name, but she's the, uh, the head of uh, the California Symphony and she was talking about um, diversity and how not diversity in the way that we might have talked about it, but mm-hmm. diversity in terms of how you attract different different people to your business, and in her, in their case, to the symphony. And it you know it resonated with me because one thing we've got to do as retailers is be more diverse in our uh, focus. Uh, previously, it was about uh, unique selling proposition. Be good at this one thing. This is going to be your point of difference. And I think now, uh, with the way the marketplace is, we need to. Yes, do that, nail that one thing, but also nail something else that's allied to that that brings in a different shopper so that you're not as reliant on that one that one type of shopper you might have attracted to your business. So I would say to this person, this friend I'm talking with in the coffee shop, um, be open to being uh, more than what you think your business is going to be uh, and listen to other people. And once you're open, start changing. From the day you open, start changing. Yeah, I love that idea. I love that idea. To, ex- to pick something that surprises you or scares you because otherwise you're going to end up looking at merchandise you've already bought once and you're going to get bored with it. And then you, when you're bored with it, I guarantee your customer is going to be born, bored with it. Um, so tell me, uh, this is the name of the podcast. It's tell me something good about retail. So Mark, tell me something good about retail before we're done here. What's good about retail, particularly small independent retail, is that is where so many people get their start in retail. So these indie small retail businesses provide uh, good work, good learning experiences for people who are joining our profession. And, and I think that's really, really important. We play an important role. It doesn't matter which country you're in. Small shops matter to local communities. Small shops matter economically. They matter to people who are looking for a job after school. They matter to people who are looking to develop a career in retail. So I think that's really good about it. I think good brick and mortar retail has got a bright future if you embrace change and you embrace uh, excitement. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great way for us to to end. I feel that um, you know retail brick and mortar retailer kind of normalizes people that until you've worked in a brick and mortar store, you don't learn it's about somebody else other than you, and you can learn that at eighteen. <laughs> or you can learn that after you've opened your store at 45 and go, I should have learned that earlier, right? Yes. That's I, kind I, really, of it. I really agree with that. That's absolutely true. Well, how can they find out more about your stores down there in Australia? Uh, so News Express is online at newsexpress.com.au. And uh, my retail software company, just look up Tower Systems Australia and you'll soon find us. Fabulous. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you today, my friend, and uh, continued good fortune. Thanks, Bob. All the best to you, too. Thank you. That brings us to the close of another episode of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm Bob Fibbs, your host, known as The Retail Doctor, based in the United States. Tune in next week when we have another set of movers, shakers, influencers, vendors, and -and brick-and-mortar retailers, all there to make you a smarter retailer.